Welcome to Victory Today. I'm so pleased that you've joined us because right now we are talking about how to get victory over the storms of life. So if you're going through a storm right now, friend, you've come to the right place. Make sure if you're not up to date that you go back and listen to the previous episodes. But we have been talking recently about where the storms of life come from. That's something a lot of people are confused about. Where do the storms of life come from? We've talked about how our spiritual enemy, the devil, uses storms to pressure us into letting go of our faith and embracing fear and anxiety and worry. We've talked about why developing a rock-solid confidence in God's love is just absolutely key to triumphing over life's storms. And today what we're going to do is talk about the best way to respond to the storms of life. You're going to learn some very practical things today. So prepare your hearts to receive the word of God. And I want you to listen close. You know, in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35, we read this. It says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they'd left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were with him also. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. You know, when I was in my 20s, I came across this little yellow book called The Inner Game of Tennis. Now, I'd been a keen tennis player for many years, and I played competitively at the time. But as I began to advance up the ranks, I wanted to improve my game. And so I paid for professional coaching. I spent hours practicing my serve, and I challenged opponents who were way better than me to see what I could learn from them. And so when I came across this little yellow book on tennis, I really didn't think at the time much about it until I began to understand the key truth that the author was sharing. You see, his point was that once you've mastered the fundamentals, once you've got a handle on the fundamentals, your body and your mind would automatically know what was required at any given time to hit a forehand winner, to hit a great backhand, or to do a powerful serve. His point was that having mastered the fundamentals, your mind and your body would just intuitively know how to respond. And you just had to learn to go with the flow and not overthink things too much, but instead to just allow your body, controlling the racket, to do what it already knew to do. Now, initially, I read all that, and I thought that was a little bit like, you know, new agey mumbo jumbo, but I decided to give what he was saying a go. And one of the things that he recommended was to spend some time watching really good tennis players, like great tennis players, and pay really close attention to their swing, the position of their feet, and the way they approach the ball. Because he said, by carefully observing them, your body, and more importantly, your mind, would learn to do the same thing. And to ensure that you didn't overthink things when you did go out on the court, what he suggested was that you focus intently on the ball, 
and the way that it was spinning and let everything else happen naturally. Don't don't force it, but just focus on the way the ball was spinning. Now, I know, if you've never done this, I know this all sounds pretty weird, but I am telling you, as I put this into practice, I found that my game was improving more from just simply watching the experts play tennis and taking note of what they did and how they did it and then allowing that to just become like second nature to me than all my years of coaching and practicing put together. And I say that not to improve your tennis game so much, but, you know, to impress upon you today that we can learn so much about the life of faith, about victorious Christian living. We can learn so much if we will just take the time to carefully observe what Jesus did, what he said, and how he responded in the everyday situations of life. See, we're talking right now about how to be victorious in the midst of a storm. And maybe that's right where you are. Perhaps there's a storm right now in your finances. Maybe there's a storm in your family. Perhaps there's a storm that's coming against your body. And you right now are feeling that pressure to let go of your faith and to yield to the fear. But friend, like we saw last time, when you do that, when you cast off your faith and you you grab back control, when you stop trusting what God says and you go by what you feel and what you see and by what others are saying, you not only lose your peace, You lose your joy as well. And now you're trying to fix everything in your own strength without the mind of Christ and without the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you that is always bound to fail. So rather than doing that, let's learn today from Jesus' example the best way to respond to those unexpected storms of life. We want to look carefully today at Jesus Because after all, he is both the author, the Bible says, and the finisher of our faith, right? So we can learn a lot by observing him. We can learn a lot by doing what he did. So how did Jesus respond to this storm? We've looked at the disciples and what they did or didn't do, but how did Jesus respond to this storm? Did he wake up and take one look at the wind and the waves and freak out? Did he go below deck and fall on his face and pray to the Father for deliverance? Is that what we are told? No, Jesus didn't do any of that. And by the way, neither should we. Matthew 8 and verse 26, the parallel passage says this. It says, he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. Luke chapter 8 and verse 24 said he rebuked the wind and the raging waves and suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. And Mark 4.39 said, and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace, be still. Okay, so what do each of those three accounts tell us that Jesus did in response to a storm? Well, two very important things. Number one, He rebuked the cause of the problem. Number one, he rebuked the cause of the problem. But then number two, he spoke peace to what had been disrupted. The Amplified puts it like this. It says, he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush now, 
be still or be muzzled. I like that. And the wind ceased, it sank to rest as if exhausted by its beating. And there was immediately, the Bible says, a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. See that? Having rebuked the cause of the problem and declared peace to what had been disrupted, the Bible says, and the wind ceased, the cause of the problem, it stopped, and then the water laid down and it was peaceful. I don't want you to ignore that. See, if we try to calm the waves in our lives while the wind is still blowing, we're going to very quickly get worn out. Just, you know, you're just going to get one part in your life to calm down, but the wind is still going and it's just going to stir up something else and we're never going to make any progress. So let's not miss what Jesus does here. He first of all deals with what's causing the problem. Okay. He identifies what's behind this storm and the Bible says he rebukes it. Did you notice that? He didn't pray to the father about it. He rebuked it. Please understand, this wasn't prayer. This was Jesus taking authority over the situation, over the cause of the storm. And he commanded it to stop. Now, if you look at that word rebuke in the New Testament, you'll discover that it is only ever used for the casting out of evil spirits. And that is important. Because Jesus could have chosen any word to use here, but he chose to use a Greek word that was only ever used for the casting out or the casting down of evil spirits. So, what does that tell you? It tells you, friend, that Jesus knew exactly what he was dealing with here. This was not just a windstorm. This was not natural in origin. This was a storm that had been stirred up by the enemy, and it was designed to take Jesus and his disciples out, to send them to the bottom of the lake, right? To finish his ministry right then and there. You know, this occurred early in Jesus' ministry, and commentators suggest that the enemy used this storm to try and Take Jesus out before he had a chance to really do some damage against the powers of darkness. And that's what you do, right? Take him out now. He's he's not going to see any more people healed. He's not going to minister any more life and abundance to anybody. He's certainly not able to go to the cross. So take him out now. Well, in, in response to this, knowing this, Jesus chooses his words carefully. And he rebuked the spirit that he knew was behind this storm. He just didn't think, oh, well, it must be, you know, some natural something. No, no. He rebuked the spirit that he knew was behind this storm and he commanded it to leave. And the moment he did that, the storm ceased and peace returned. That's why we know that it was supernatural in origin. And Jesus then turns to his disciples and he says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He looked at them and he asked them a question. He said, why are you so fearful? Why are you so full of fear? And how is it that you have no faith? See that? He accuses them of being full of fear and having no faith. And then he wants to know why. Why is that? Why have you yielded to that? And and I want you to see today that in asking that question, 
Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? It is obvious that he believed that they could have done better than what they did that that night, right? It's obvious from his question that he felt it was unnecessary for them to have woken him up in a panic and questioned his care for them and demanded that he do something. See, religious people would have preferred that Mark chapter 4 read a little bit more like this. Religion would rather that it said, Jesus arose and he looked at the disciples and he said, boys, you did the right thing. You are lucky I'm here. Otherwise, by now, you'd be sleeping with the fishes. Now stand back and let me show you what I can do with a storm. That's what religious people would like. But Jesus didn't say that, did he? No, he said, why are you so full of fear? And how is it that you have no faith? So obviously he expected more from them than fear, dread and unbelief, right? Obviously he expected more than them freaking out, taking matters into their own hands and being moved by what they saw and heard and felt. Otherwise, we could accuse Jesus here of being unreasonable, right? I mean, if they could never, ever in a million years have done what he just did, it's completely unreasonable for him to have said it, right? So they must have been capable of doing something about this situation. Otherwise, he would never have rebuked them, right? In fact, I want to suggest to you today that it must have been reasonable that having been with him for some time now, having seen what they had all seen, having heard all the preaching, all the teaching, and been in that environment for some time, it was totally reasonable, I believe, for Jesus to expect more out of them than panic fear and accusing him of not caring. I want to suggest to you today, we should respond when a storm hits our lives, friend, exactly as Jesus did, just like he did. Amen? We're going to refuse to fear, hold fast to our faith, resist and rebuke the enemy who's behind it, and have confidence that as we do those things, just as James chapter 4 verse 3 says, the enemy must flee. I'm saying, friend, that if there is something that is coming against you right now, and it's trying to intimidate you, threaten you, or attack your body, your finances, your marriage, your future, your family. Don't you dare yield to it. Don't you dare, even though it's pressuring you, don't you dare give in to it. No, if you are a follower of Jesus, then follow his example and you do what he did. Amen? What did Jesus say we were supposed to do? Mark eleven twenty three. when a mountain rose up in our lives, what did he say? He told us to speak to it. Amen? He told us to use our authority that we'd been given and command it to move, to go, to cast itself down and fall into the sea. So friend, if there is a storm that is coming against your body right now, I want to encourage you, stir up your faith, remind yourself again of what the word says and command that thing, command that tumor, that growth, that infection, that problem, that disease. You command it to die and leave in Jesus name. You open your mouth and you tell it to go. That's what Jesus has instructed us to do. 
If you've got a storm in your finances, don't panic. Don't get an ulcer worrying about it. Don't lose your sleep over it. No, open your mouth, rebuke the devourer and tell him to get your hands off, his fi- off God's finances. You've got you to act if you've got a storm coming against your mind in this season. Don't just sit there, rebuke it in Jesus' name. Refuse to listen to the lies of the enemy. Start declaring what the word of God says about you, which is that you have the mind of Christ. You have a strong mind. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And then you get your eyes on the word of God and allow your mind to be renewed by what it promises. I'm saying to you today, friend, you are not helpless against the storms of life. You are not alone. You have a comforter. You carry the name of the King of Kings. You are his child and you've been given his authority to cast things down and to bind and to loose. So use what you have and open your mouth and speak to that thing. If it's a storm right now, don't put up with it another moment. Don't ignore it. And don't run to God begging him to do something about it. You deal with it. Do what he's told you to do. Do what he showed you to do. You rebuke it in Jesus' name and then declare peace over whatever that storm has disrupted. Friend, I'm telling you today, there is awesome power in the name of Jesus. And as a believer, you have every right to use his name to banish fear, to break the power of the enemy and to steal the storms in your life. And I'll talk more about how to do that in the next message. But until then, make sure you subscribe, share this message with friends, check out our website at newboldministries.com. There you can read up all about the incredible work that we're involved in in Cambodia through Freedom Center One, where we're rescuing and educating the lives of a hundred street kids, training them up to be the leaders of tomorrow, seeing them impact their families and their communities for the gospel. There's ways in which you can support us prayerfully, financially. You can come alongside and be involved in what we're doing. And there's a whole bunch of resources there for you to check out. So have a look at that, newboldministries.com, and I'll be back to speak again with you really soon.